Well, hello there, Amy. How are you doing? Hey, Mike. I'm doing pretty good. I've had a whirlwind of two weeks, but happy to be here talking to you. I'm glad to hear. Well, you're in the hot part of the world. I'm in a cold part of the world. So, oh. yeah, it's cool. It's been pretty cool in, in Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, it's starting to cool off a little bit here in Maryland. And I mean, I love the fall. I love the fall. I love the smells. I love the temperature. I love pumpkin, you know, and all the things. But I also love the summer and I hate the winter. So I do get a little sad when it starts to cool off, too. Well, there you go. Well, I'm looking forward to um, a, a drier time because when it in Melbourne, winters are just wet. It's it's oh. constantly wet, mm. and it's that's you know, depressing, Mike. It's depressing. It's 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 mostly wet, yeah. but it's starting to get a little bit drier. And hopefully, uh, some, well, summer is on its way. Uh, hopefully, we don't burn the country down as has become an annual festival here. Mm. Uh, but beyond those pleasantries, I want to know, um, Amy. Have you mm -hmm. seen anyone recently destroying any children's toys on stage at a church? You know, since I saw this video of a guy <sighs> called Greg, Greg Locke, apparently a big MAGA pastor, mm -hmm. uh, using a baseball bat with a Bible attached to it to destroy yes. a bar. Quite a house. weapon, quite a weapon. I mean, I've heard about weaponizing scripture before, <laughs> but this is like literally turning it into a weapon. That is that is literally where I mean gives during gives the, a sermon. Yeah, it's like um gives the definition of Bible bashing a whole new meaning. Yes. And I can't imagine the, the poor children, the poor children who were in the congregation watching Barbie's house get destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I and in terms of I've seen some weird sermon illustrations in my life, um <laughs> like visible ones that required parables. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was some weird. weird ones as well. That was weird. Um, yeah, I'm. I don't. I mean, there's some strong opinions about the Barbie movie. And I know. I know. It's kind of polarizing. Yes, and what 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 do you think it is fitting to destroy in the pulp? I mean, what children's toys should be destroyed? Well, I'll have to say, as much as I love Play-Doh. Um, love the smell of it love to play with play-doh myself don't want my kids getting play-doh in church when they were little oh my goodness it got on everything yeah and it rubs so that, into the couch and everything and in yes, hair. And their clothes yeah hair so that you know the car ride home that i could see actually actually there is one you? there is one thing i would like to destroy in church with a baseball bat and I would be talking about Satan and evil powers and empire. And do you know what the thing I would like to destroy in front of everyone? What is it, Mike? Bat? A coffee machine, Amy. I oh, would love, brother. I would love to destroy the coffee machine because we all know. You that, will be the Grinch of church. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think we should do have Do you want people to be awake during the sermon? <laughs> I just, I just think we should all be drinking tea. I just can't stand the coffee and everyone, the spirit, you know, bring, people bring their little coffee cups into church, which I think is yeah, an I abomination. So, <laughs> I, so that's a real distraction for you. Oh, just the horrible smell. It's, ugh. Oh, it smells delicious, divine. 
Oh, I, I, for you, I guess. For you, I guess. <laughs> well, anyway, speaking speaking of things we bring into church, I wrote yeah. a couple of articles uh, on 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 my on my Substack, talking mm-hmm. about um, you know advice to complementarians in egalitarian churches. You know, you know mm-hmm. things to look out for, but also advice to egalitarians who are attending a complementarian church. And, and what I have here is like, you know, imagine you're like a military family, you're stationed somewhere, um, you know, you move around every few years and, you know, there's a limited number of churches that, you know, you can choose from if you like. And sometimes you find, you know, a particular church where you, where you, you find this is the best place to go, but, you know, it's maybe not where I'm at in my convictions about, you know, gender roles, ministry, family, marriage, that type of thing. I mean, and, and this can, this can swing both ways. Um, mm-hmm. Now I wrote a, I wrote a, um, an article on this, um, particularly advice for egalitarians and complementarian churches. And I, and basically it was like, you know, don't allow anyone to bully you, but at the same time, don't make it your mission in life to convert them to being, you know, egalitarian. Um, and I was kind of saying, you know, you know, play it safe, you know, tell people what you think when it comes up and that kind of a thing. Now, you, you did have a, a response, which I thought was very, very reasoned and thoughtful. Um, what, what, was, what was your response to, to what I wrote there, Amy? Yeah, well, first of all, I only responded because you asked me what I thought about it. That is true. That is true. I did invite you. This wasn't out of the blue. This you wasn't, invited me. Wasn't grabbing so, me by I, the scruff of the neck and saying, right. listen up, bird. Yeah. And I appreciate that because uh, I, I think that you do look for other voices on these kind of conversations. And so, you know, from people who would come at it from a different posture, position, point of view, experience. And which I do. And so when I read your article, I thought, okay, this is diplomatic, you know, and this is even could be pastoral um, advice. But the whole time I, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, if you're a man, because it's just a completely different experience. If you're a woman, egalitarian, um, or a woman who wants to contribute in the theological heart of the church, um, who likes to read scripture, you know, any of those things, um, I I think it would be very different. And so, you know, I'm coming at it, reading it on the other side, you know, I was a believer in all that. And, you know, when I really had to access the government of the church for harassment and slander, you know, at a pretty bad level, um, I went through a two year process that was completely traumatizing. And so the whole, the whole system was revealed to me to be something very different than I thought it was um, and to be unsafe. So um, for me, I guess the whole premise of the question is disturbing, honestly. Like, um, you know, and I wanna be friendly to complementarians and as fair as I can, but, um, I'm looking at it thinking, why would I like, I can't even, my whole family can't enter those spaces. Hmm. They're just not safe. My whole body screams, you're not safe going into a complementarian space. So for me, I see it as a com- complicity, really, um, with a system that's harmful. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I had a, a different take on answering that question. I feel like I'd want to share a more personal story um, with what I went through. And, um, you know, I've just heard so many of those stories now mm. from so many different complementarian churches. And, um, you know, I get so many people that are still in them mm. saying, should I go through this process to address harm? And my advice is no. My advice is this is going to take like two years <laughs> with your Presbyterian setting. Um, you know, it's different in a Southern Baptist or Baptist uh, complementarian churches. Their government's different, so it'd be faster. Uh, but um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of harm, but not only harm. You know, I'm, you know, maybe you're thinking, well, okay, you're talking worst case scenario, but I think the whole church is is harmed by, um, and it even changes like our, our the way that we read scripture. Uh, hermeneutics is is a social event, really. Yeah. So if you're if you're hearing from you know the men and being taught only by the men, and scriptures read only by the men, and uh, prayers are by the men, <laughs> um, not all complementarian churches follow that strict of of it, but. I don't think that the word of Christ is then really free <laughs> from person to person. And I, I, I think that the church has been malnourished in a lot of ways and it affects how we read scripture. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's some serious things to think about uh, what you're trading yeah. when you're going in. I mean, I mean, what I want to say is that some of us do live in sort of these mixed environments. Like, you mm -hmm. know, like I have students, I can have a class of students, some will be complementarian, some will be egalitarian. And I'll have like complementarian female students who I would love to see to go into pastoral ministry, because I think they're very yeah. gifted and very capable, but they don't want to do that. And right. then I've also got some egalitarian um, students who would be really good, but because of their egalitarian views, they're not they're not the best fit for some of the churches where it would be good to send them. So this, mm. is, this is something we've got to, I'm trying to um, negotiate yeah. as a theological educator, who's also helping people find out what is their philosophy of ministry. I mean, and what do you do if you're you know part of a leadership team where you, or a church where you will have different views in the church. Um, I mean, even complementarians have different views on themselves, egalitarians. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Themselves. Mm -hmm. And if, if you can't deal with differences within your flavor, um, then you're mm -hmm. not going to, you're not going to be able to deal with differences when you're looking at different somewhat uh, groups, interpretations, or, you know, sections of the church. So um, I'm very much trying to get people to find a way to, I mean, kind of live and let live in in the places and spaces they find themselves as best they can but but i do recognize that you can get um certain species of complementarianism again for me let me offer the caveat not everyone but there are certain species of um complementarianism that are in a toxic place with very toxic outcomes um now i mean i i tend to t use the language of um complementarianism does not necessarily lead to a pernicious patriarchy but it's definitely an amplifying um force in that regard so i've usually emphasized the the amplifying and it's more conducive 
to be taking in this toxic and harmful direction. Now I have to say that because I've got some great complementarian colleagues and, and students who are very, um, very supportive of, you know, of all, of all their students and all their things. So I guess I'm, I'm trying to negotiate, you know, a, a, a land of diversity and difference on this. But what I'm hearing from you, Amy, is that based on personal experience and and some of the effort of going into it, that it, it, it's, it can be a hard sell. It can be a hard sell if you've been through this trauma. And if you're wanting to invest in a church where you're, 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 you've either got the risk or the reality that no matter how nice and uh, cordial and open you are, there's going to be barriers or there's going to be an inevitable level of hostility, particularly for women. So I'm a, the I'm a theologian, relatively well known. I'm, you know, I can, if I get invited to someone's Bible study, you know, I'm going to be treated with a certain degree of respect just because right. of my professional qualifications. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, for someone else, someone who's like a, you know, first year female, first year freshman student, or, you know, uh, a young mother or just a, 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 you know, a young person early in their career, or even maybe an, an older person who's just been in the church, an older female lady, they may, they don't have that little, the defense of being male and being a professional biblical scholar. So, I mean, I mean, do you have any, any thoughts about these sort of, these mixed spaces where these, these village greens, mm. where you do get complementarians and egalitarians hanging yeah. out together or, or coming across each other? Yeah. I mean, I have respect for so many complementarian people, you know, or people who hold complementarian convictions um, and I'm friends, you know, with, with many. But um, I guess specifically with the question about if somebody is an egalitarian and you're giving them advice about going into a complementarian church, you know, that's more specifically speaking, I think, um, is where I would you know, respond the way that I did more in my article uh, or response to you um, on my blog. But yeah, in mixed, it just depends on where you are, the context. Um, you know, I, I can be a lot more diplomatic um, outside of the church, but if I'm trying to worship and be part of a covenant community, like this is uh, our interpretive communities, you know, this is where we're to serve. And when you're viewed as a threat and your voice needs to be managed constantly um, and you're just cut off from so many of the spaces, you know, that's a real problem. And so I would think that if you already have egalitarian convictions, that should really bother you. Um, yeah. And so that's where, you know, I would say like, you know, where you're going to worship then is going to make a big difference. And um I think you could have more influence outside of those spaces then. And, you know, I don't want to say, oh, I can't learn from complementarians because, man, I really still do. But um, and it really affects, I think, what you can learn, what you can contribute, and, and even uh, how safe you are, you know? And so me, I thought... Mike, I thought I was in one of those good complementarian churches. I thought that, I, you know, that, you know, we weren't, that was fringe, <laughs> you know, all that very patriarchal teaching. Um, and so it was very uh, disorienting and then, uh, you know, caused a lot of disillusionment. I mean, there's so many layers to this. Yeah. Uh, take away the complementarian, egalitarian part. 
I think that, um, well, and it is kind of goes along with this hierarchy thing, but um, one hugely disillusioned thing for me was to find out how spiritually immature the leaders are. I mean, you just expect spiritual maturity and leadership and um, to find how much everything is about this hierarchical authority and that, you know, seminary, okay, they went to seminary and got a bunch of information, <laughs> but that doesn't guarantee spiritual maturity, which has a direct correlation to the way we read scripture, hmm. our spiritual maturity. And, and so, you know, as a woman in her forties, uh, that was shocking to me. So, you know, that's a huge layer of it. And, you know, this woman just wrote me today um, about she appreciated my work on friendship between the sexes, but she wanted to know if I'd considered writing about friendship between women in complementarian churches, because what she's seeing is a direct correlation with uh, this patriarchal teaching in complementarian churches and this obsession with authority that women even take that on in our relationships with each other. So you see this constant, like, I need to mentor you. Like, you know, like, it's not just a coffee. <laughs> it's, it's a, you're being mentored kind of thing. Um, and that, that this hierarchical uh, framework enters into all our relationships, uh, not just man to woman, but woman to woman and, and, and to child and, you know, all, all that. So I, I think there's a lot of layers to it. That it's a lot bigger um, than, you know, the little things that we, the little differences that we want to say that it is. Okay. That's, 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 I don't know. That was a lot of rambling, but, um, no, no, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like a whole bunch of different things. Like, um, like one of the places where this has been an issue is in university ministries where these are not churches, although they can have like Bible teaching, you know, hours, some of them do mm -hmm. create their own little sort of their own churches or their own worship thing, particularly for, right. you know, for some of these remote universities in like, you know, in remote towns in Australia where you've got like, um, you know, you've got like a, a population of 30,000 in the town and there's a university and a hospital and you've got these kids uh, who are, who for them, the university group becomes their like church um, and yeah. they have a Sunday service. And those leaders have been, I mean, I know numerous places where they're wrestling with the sort of gender roles and issues and authority. And, you know, the parents sent them off to this university and this college because they thought it was a, a good, you know, a good Christian group on campus. And then they found out that women are being allowed to preach or, and it's so there's been a lot of uh, like, you know, politics in the Australian um, Christian university scene um, about, you know, how prescriptive they have to be on gender roles for each is, is each particular chapter allowed to make up its own mind on this or do they have like a top down and different and different sort of christian student associations in australia have have, have really wrestled with this um are we a church are we not a church are we a ministry are we parachurch then how do we do we need to take a stand on this issue do we need to have a conviction on this and you can imagine it's 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 quite messy uh, the issues mm -hmm. about, you know, are we a church? Are we not a church? Uh, do we have, do we have to be complementarian or, or egalitarian? Do we have to pick a side? Um, it's, it's, it's been a very, very complex um, uh, place. Um, 
but I like what you said about, you know, relationships between women. Um, my, my, my dear wife, uh, Naomi, um, used to be part of a thing called the women's ministry. Like, like, like the, it was, how to describe it? It was basically for the wives of ministers. It was like a, 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 a group for them. It was like the pastors ministry, ministry wives network, ministry wives network. And it was a kind of a group and, and it was kind of good. They would do their own conference. They would do their own thing. I wouldn't have said there was necessarily a hierarchy in it, but it did have its own culture. It did have its own kind of, um, you know, way of doing things. And, you know, I mean, my wife Naomi got uh, a lot, a lot out of it in the times that she was there, but it, but it was this kind of, it was its own thing. It was, and it did have its own kind of culture that I, I thought was interesting. And every now and again, the, the husbands would come in and we'd, you know, catch up with it was a bit like a seminary reunion sometimes i guess you you see the mm -hmm. different people um but studying the sociology of that i think would definitely be interesting and you know and how that is a a mirror a replica or an innovation or a transformation of normal church culture so i wonder if the sort of the ministry wives environment you know what does that tell us about complementarian culture the varieties, mm -hmm. the diversities, the structure in mm -hmm. who, in whose hands does power really lie? Um, yeah. In, in some sense. So that, that the be, questions there. Yeah. That, that'd be, that'd be an interesting thing. I mean, are you tempted to explore this thing about relationships between women um, in compliment? You know, a little bit, like when she, you know, I read this email thinking, Oh, she's really hitting on something here, you know? Um, and she wondered if I'd want to write about, you know, friendships with women, but, I don't know, you know. <laughs> you got other things to, to write on. You got other things to I'm, write on. I'm just trying to back out of some of that environment, you know. So it is very interesting coming from where I came from, you know, who tried to actually write a book um, directed to church leaders saying, you know, invest in your women as disciples in the church. Like, I wasn't even hitting the leadership stuff. Like, ordained ministry kind of thing but just like what is what is a disciple what does a disciple do and are women disciples you know less than male disciples like are we not allowed to be disciples <laughs> and what is the great honor and privilege of being a sister in the church in that way as a lay person um i was you know labeled as very dangerous for for doing that you know so i mean to me it just revealed okay i can write within the the bounds of the Westminster Confession of Faith. And uh, it's not, it doesn't mean the same thing for women, but it means for men. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, I, I guess if I, if I had to pick. It's just fake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, we can, we can, we can kind of spin it any way we like. I mean, yeah, people can say, well, these are the bounds that you're free to move in our con confessional. But and you're not. But exactly. There's the, woman. there's the boundaries and then there's the invisible boundaries. There's the right. And that's invisible what I rules, about. Which like, is why you've I got to see a lot the, of invisible fences. That's why you've got to see the Barbie movie, because there's a whole monologue <laughs> about the invisible rules that women are bound by. Oh, yeah, that's true. The invisible rules yeah. yeah always have to be thankful always mm. stuff like that so okay right right well i guess i yeah. mean if i had I know. 
if I if, if I did have a, a to pick a book I'd like I'd like to see I think I think the one I would like to hear a book on or even a talk is on uh, male fragility um you know the the sort of the, the <laughs> there is one uh what's it called men explain things to me <laughs> yeah maybe I mean, something not a christian book but uh, yeah very feminist yeah maybe maybe something about compliment well not all complementary but the but the the, the the somewhat fear men have of women or or of being perceived as being woman-like um mm. i think that is a big thing that is a big thing uh, yeah and just how misogynist is that yeah, well, I mean, well, he's he's saying you might be surprised to know, Amy, that um, that uh, I have I have some interests and um, attributes that are very masculine. Like I'm I'm very good at sports. I used to be a paratrooper in the army, mm -hmm. but I I also kind of like musical theatre, and mm -hmm. I hate. Fi I'm not surprised. <laughs> I hate fishing, and I have no yeah. interest in cars. I uh, like you know you okay. if you lift up the hood. Or the, don't you call it the hood? You call it the hood or the <laughs> yes, the hood. hood. I know that. Look under that. Like I'm, you know, I can say it. That's definitely an engine. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> you know, I can, I can change oil. I can fill, I can fill the water, the winds. All right. The good, winds, good. That's the, about the extent of what I can do. Yeah. The winds, but I am, I am less, but for anything else, like if you want to change spark plugs or something, you know, I'm going to watch a lot of YouTube videos right uh, right to do that so you know i mean i think not everyone meets the stereotype of either being male or female and you know that there is that there is that kind of thing and i think i think men do be get a little bit fragile that they won't be perceived as being as manly or as male as the rest of their peers because they you know they, they might like something ranging from gymnastics to art so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do, I do wonder whether that's something to to be looked at one day. But that, that's um, that's probably for some, that's probably for someone else to do. That's probably for someone else to do. <laughs> so, but there we are. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'll write an article. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe yeah, maybe I will do something on male fragility, um, or the sounds, the, the fear good. of not being perceived as male enough by your colleagues. So, hmm, yeah, well, I'll give it a go. Maybe in the future, maybe in the future, Amy. But anyway, Amy, for people who are very interested in you and, and what you do, what's what's new in your world? Um, well, I just got back from Grand Rapids and I got to film some videos on my upcoming book, The Hope in Our Scars. And that's about rising, the church rising from disillusionment and being able to see Christ in it um, from the underground is what I call it. Um, so... I'm doing a video series too that goes, you know, separate from the book. So um, it's like for the Zondervan Academy. Um, and so I recorded videos for that and had quite a heck of a time getting there, flying there. Flying is no fun anymore. Not that it ever was. Yeah. But, um, you know, missed my second connecting flight and had to be, get an Uber because it was too late to rent a car. It's like 2 a.m., and here you are, like, here I am, a woman traveling alone in the city at night, going to a house in a secluded area, an Airbnb on the river, um, and I have to get an Uber. So that's kind of scary. Uh, I did that. Uh, and, you know, the guy's name's Gordon. I'm like, that's, that's the name of a serial killer right there. <laughs> Gordon. 
Um, so he's dropping me off 2 a.m. and it's creepy where I'm going at night and very dark. And he says, you know, this reminds me of a blind date I went on a long time ago where I had a good time, dropped her off. And a couple hours later, her mom called me uh, asking if I knew where she was. And turns out she'd gone missing. <laughs> he's telling so this as he's helping me get my suitcase out of the trunk. So um, turns out she was missing for three days. He's like, oh, she was alive. She was alive. Um, turns out she drove to Florida with a girlfriend or something, but I think she was trying to escape her family. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say, 2 a.m. I got up at eight o'clock to do my videos. And um, the next day I had the pleasure though, uh, so I'm doing some discussions on the chapters with different people because I feel like the book really, you can get a, a even greater benefit. I think if you were re to read it in a discussion, you know, have a discussion group that you're doing it with. And so we wanted to model that a little bit in some uh, additional videos. So I recorded two chapters with Kristen Dumay, which was a lot of fun. And also two chapters with Chuck DeGroat, uh, which was the first time I met Chuck and what a pleasure that was too. So I had a really good time. That was the, the really fun part was being able to do discussions because I don't really like reading from a monitor and staring at a computer with everybody staring at you, staring at a, at a camera. <laughs> Not my most comfortable thing to do. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, it sounds like it'd be a great video series, Amy. Uh, Thank you. What about that. you? Me? Oh, well, so many things. Um, I've been made deputy principal at my college, so I'm doing a yeah. lot more admin -y stuff, trying to provide mm -hmm. leadership. Um, wrote a book with, um, with N.T. Wright, Jesus and the Powers. So that's something Ooh. that's coming out in the future. Introduction to Luke Axe is coming out and I'm gradually working on a book about the historical Jesus, about life of Jesus. Nice. And I want to write, I'm slowly writing a book about the Roman empire in the third century. Um, wow. <laughs> because so yeah, wide ranging, wide ranging interests and, and also, um, and also working on my plan to gradually steal all the world's coffee beans. Um, <laughs> but that last one's taking a while. It's taking a while. Yeah, There's yeah. Coffee beans. I'm gonna have to pry those from my hands. <laughs> cold dead hands. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll just, cold dead hands. I'll just send in Gordon to go get them. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Oh. Well, Amy, it's always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, yeah, you as well. And I'll, we'll catch, well, I guess I'll catch you and we'll catch everyone on the next time we have another episode of Birds of a Feather. <laughs>